0: coffee podcast 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 with coffee about dogs and cats hello listeners we are not experts Mm -hmm. on dog behavior we are just trying to share from our perspective as an animal welfare operation from just our shelter and our experiences and give an overview of what we do here but if you have behavior questions you need to talk to your vet okay welcome back to coffee podcast what episode is this four four (laughs) lucky four so we have Lindsay. Mitchell,
1: Mitchell, not not Michael, (laughs) here
0: with us. And so this is her first time in the I Call It studio, a.k.a. it's our boardroom (laughs) filled with donations (laughs) right now. But we're pretending it's a studio. And, Lindsay, we always start off by telling our... Group of listeners are growing through what coffee we're drinking, just because
1: we like to give shout outs to local businesses while we're on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Grace went to Milk and Honey this morning, Mm -hmm. which is a fairly new local coffee shop that has a drive through, which is really nice. I love a drive through and the convenience. Mm -hmm. I got a flat white, just traditionally. How it comes, I wanted to like act like a coffee snob today, which I'm not, but it's really <laughs> delicious. I really like it. Recommend if you do like, you know, that espresso flavor.
0: Yeah, um, I like milk and honey a lot because they support a lot of different community endeavors. They're really cool, and they have dog treats that you can that they yeah. bake in house that you can buy through their drive thru which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I got I have a sweet tooth today, so I got a white chocolate mocha. So that's what I've got. What do you have, Lindsay? I got a a chai. What <laughs> a do you use dad. for your compassion juice? We
2: call our or coffee, yeah. our compassion juice. What do you normally? Drink? Um, I usually drink a lot of water throughout the day. Oh yeah, <laughs> one of those people.
1: <laughs> fancy water bottle that she puts like fruit in the middle. Yeah. so it, like, I do flavors like fruit refusers. Yeah, Ooh. she's <laughs> also an amazing chef. There's a lot of like secret skills that Lindsay has yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes of dog training. We always beg her to bring things to our potlucks mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she cooks really good stuff.
2: That's my stress relief is cooking. I love <laughs> that.
0: Cool, I love that
1: too. That's important um, to have. Mm-hmm. Let's start by, in case people don't know who you are, having you just say what your job title is and then what your job description is, which I'm sure changes day to day. Yes. But the basic <laughs> description.
2: My job title is behavior specialist, so I basically evaluate the animals that come in that are going to go up for adoption. Um, I also help work with some of the animals that have a harder time here. And then also, you know, talk with customers about, like, Things to do at home with the animal, talk to people that call that are having behavior issues with their animal and how to help them at home. And we interviewed
1: Margaret last week. You also mm-hmm. like work in intake or help in intake yes. when yes. they're so Sometimes you are, you know, doing that entire yeah. job plus trying to do all of that. Yeah. Behaviors. Also help
2: out in intake and help out when Margaret's not there, kind of covering for her too mm-hmm. and helping out with that. Very cool. You have a lot of hats. (laughs) You have a lot of stuff about dogs. So before I got a job here, I actually lived in Salt Lake City. I was like an assistant manager of a doggy daycare, and I did that for about four years. So that was, I started out there. Yeah. And then before that, and actually during that too, I actually interned with a Dog trainer, so um, I would go to her classes and I would help her with like her one-on-one classes too. And I did an internship with her for a few years.
0: Very cool. Yes. Okay, so last week Margaret started us off by talking to us about the intake process and what happens for a dog when they are received. What what people can expect when they either surrender a dog or have a stray. And she talked us through the three-day stray hold. I guess we're curious kind of what comes next and which comes first? Is it the behavioral assessments or the vet assessments? How do you decide Mm -hmm. and what's the next step for the dog after their journey?
2: So after they're off their stray hold, if we don't have an owner that's claimed them, the next step would be to do a behavior assessment. So we'll take the animal out. We'll kind of assess, you know, how they're doing in the shelter. After that assessment, that's when they get their vet exam. And then our vet will do a physical exam on them, make sure they're healthy, no diseases or anything.
0: Yeah, so that makes sense. So you would do behavior before vet, mm-hmm. um, just so that you can also maybe give the vet some ideas on yeah. what,
2: where and the it, dog's at. Yeah, and we'll kind of leave the vet notes like, hey, this dog doesn't like its feet touched, so be careful, or, you oh, know, nice. stuff sure like that, too. That. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I and I was saying, like, I'm sure that there have been a couple of special cases where they are so in need of immediate vet yes. attention they're not even showing a personality yeah. yet because yeah
2: and bad. some animals if they come in and they're injured like our vet will look at them right away mm-hmm. so sometimes we'll forego the behavior assessment until maybe they're feeling better or our vet has a chance I was gonna to say we've had like that emaciated dogs. Yeah.
1: you know they're just so exhausted they don't right you can't even do you can't do
2: assessment. yeah yeah
0: well mm-hmm. and ones that have you know the severe mass or skin issues right you i mean you have a hard time doing exactly yeah because yeah. they're uncomfortable getting, yeah yeah mm-hmm. But they maybe demonstrate behaviors that aren't necessarily aggressive, they're just, right. um, yeah, they're in pain, yeah. yeah. One thing that I would like our community to know that I'm hopeful maybe you can talk a little bit about is like that our behavior tests aren't just subjective. We don't, I think sometimes people will comment and be like, well, they're just scared. Why are, you know, you're just, you're making this scared dog. Of course they're behaving like that. But you actually use a pretty, um, I read that book, which was pretty Mm -hmm. cool from Sue Sternberg that really looks at well-researched and, you know, well-established. So it's not just like us shooting in the dark on their behavior, but you actually know what behaviors you're looking for in order to gauge. So can you kind of talk about that in the test
2: process? So we do a behavior assessment another thing we also do is we want to research like body language with dogs so we want to make sure we know like what different body language means so that way we can actually interpret you know how the dog is acting we also understand sometimes this environment is stressful so we do have foster homes for certain dogs that might have a hard time here and that way that'll give us more information on how they're doing we also you know if a dog doesn't do well in their first assessment we'll give them more time and during that time that they're waiting for their second assessment. We'll have kennel techs taking them out on walks, some volunteers taking them out on walks, and that gives us more information too on how they're doing as well. So it's not just an assessment, but we get, we try to get as much information on that animal as possible in different scenarios and try to figure out, you know, what's going on. Or yeah,
1: And cool. one of the things that administrative people got to do during The quarantine, when we were Mm -hmm. closed or limited, our activities here was work with some of those project dogs. Our behavior team was like, hey, you guys, if you have extra time, we have these dogs here. Even from outside the kennel, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to give them treats and things like that. So that was a really interesting insight for me to see like what kennel behavior is versus sometimes when they're out of the kennel which can be totally different and just asking you guys questions about like how to work with them what different behavior means so that was really yeah yeah so and i know that i keep bugging you about how i want to shadow you
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i keep asking if i can come shadow a behavior test just so i can learn more and Lindsay had me start by reading This book was like well before you do that, um, you know, which was very helpful. So since our listeners, our wide group of them, can't come (laughs) shadow you on a behavior test, like Uh what is that? I know you start by looking, like Amy said, at the kennel behavior. Uh What do you look for first, and then what kinds of things do you look for during their test?
2: So I always have someone helping me with behavior assessments. The first thing I do is I go up to everybody's kennel. I think it helps me kind of see, you know, where is this dog starting out at. So I go up to everybody's kennel and I kind of just approach like how. Like a customer would approach a kennel with a dog that's on the floor. And then I just kind of see how they react and I kind of write down, you know, what their reaction is. After that, usually we'll go down to the behavior room and then my helper will get dogs out and we'll bring them down one at a time into the behavior room. And the first thing we kind of look for is just how do they react to new people? Like what is their initial reaction to a new person? And just seeing, you know, are they fearful of new people? Are they excited to greet new people? That kind of thing. We test them for resource guarding so we see, you know, are they gonna guard food, are they gonna guard toys, are they gonna guard their bones. We also test them with other dogs, see, you know, how they get along with other dogs and what they're gonna do if they see another dog. And then we also use a child doll to kinda kind of gauge like where they're at how they might be with children. The
1: small human. Yeah. <laughs> Fake one. Yeah. Their yeah. Reaction. And I, we always read your behavior notes once they come up for adoption. Yeah. It's very interesting to hear. I know. <laughs> something like, wasn't Badger the one who was like, Grabbed his food bowl and, and was, like, yeah, yeah that was it funny. That was,
0: um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shout out to Emily. I think she's listening. But, um, yeah, the, the, that was a funny one, but that's a pretty good example of like, you know, where you'll note like that the dog, you, you use the little fake hand and try to take yeah. the dog's food and he picked up his food bowl with the food yeah. in it and took off running it. Right. Like, no, you're not getting this food from me. Yeah. And so that would be like something that you would note, you know, right. um, maybe to tell families like, hey, he's very protective over his food. Right. <laughs> yeah which is cool because um i imagine well no i imagine it's true that like that's a huge point of safety on determining mm-hmm. which dogs are going to be adoptable yeah. and which ones may have behaviors that- and
2: especially with like small kids in the home like the resource garters you don't want to put them in homes with really small kids because kids are going to do what kids do and you don't want anyone getting hurt yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I also imagine maybe as a member of the public, they're imagining it's a pass-failed test, you know, completely one way or the oh, other. Yeah. <laughs> but there's just so many elements to it where there a is. dog could be on the spectrum of, like, okay, this is a behavior right. like, issue or something that we want to work with or be right. aware of. So, the, the doll's name is Annabelle, right? The really creepy little <laughs> That's what I call her. <laughs> <laughs> what are you
0: trying to do? Haunt our shelter? She, right. Like, she's really creepy. I saw her there. I'm really glad yeah. she's, like, closed now. I know that she, like, has had a few bites in her face. Yeah. Bless <laughs> her heart. Because this came up, actually, a question on a guy asked us on Monday during yeah. the tour. And said, well, how can you determine, is, I mean, is this doll scary to humans, but doesn't a dog know? that it's a doll, but have well, found that to be true?
2: So I've done a lot of research. Like, I actually read a research paper that, like, kind of researched the child doll, and they said it's, like, 76% at gauging if a dog is child aggressive or not. So some dogs will know that it's not real, obviously, because it doesn't smell like a child. But it can also help gauge on, like, how they're going to react to a novel item. So, like, something that's new and they're scared of, how's a dog going to react to that scary object? So, sometimes that can also help give us that kind of information.
0: What kinds of safety procedures do you guys have? I know you said you have a helper, but Mm -hmm. I also know that we've talked a little bit a little bit that sometimes we get dogs in here that are just dangerous and not going right. to be able to be rehabilitated and that's a, I think that's a hard reality for our community is. so how do you monitor safety in there since these are unknown dogs that mm-hmm. you're like picking up their paws and looking in their right. ears and how does that go? I mean
2: it kind of goes back to just knowing body language so you know initially when the dog comes in if they're not showing any signs that they want me near them I'm not going to push it with them like it's kind of knowing their body language and you know but if a dog comes up to you and they're loose and friendly like yeah let's see what they do if we kind of like slowly grab their paws or you know it's kind of going slow and kind of being able to read their body language and knowing when to kind of back off and not push it with them.
1: I also think common common sense or common knowledge is that Oh, if a dog is growling, that means that they don't like what's going on. But there's right. so many signs leading up there to is. That, that. People don't. That if you aren't yeah. trained, you might not know. Yeah, there's a
2: lot of sm- like subtle signs dogs will give you that they're uncomfortable before they reach the point of growling. Usually, mm-hmm. some dogs, you know, they just go straight to that point. Right. Do you
1: have something in your mind of like m- the biggest misconception that you think people have about us or dog behavior um, or anything?
2: I mean, I think a lot of people think like this environment is just like fearful and you can't test dogs. I mean, we have a good good amount of dogs that come in and they're happy-go-lucky from day one. And the day they leave, they're still happy. Like Mm -hmm. they're just well-adjusted dogs. I mean, we do have some that are fearful that don't act aggressive. And then we have some that are fearful and act aggressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, and also obviously one of our goals is like we don't want people in the public getting hurt. We want to make sure that these dogs are going into homes and they're going to be good pets and they're going to be make someone happy and
1: yeah I think good, you know people are yeah. always thinking about the animals which right. is great but we are standing on the side of it to where we feel responsible if right. an animal goes out and exactly. hurts a
2: person or another animal. right like if a dog was to go out and maul child I would feel horrible mm-hmm. or you know jump the fence and killed the neighbor's dog like that would be awful for someone I mean it's hard for the public to have to go through that and that's not something I would want someone to have to go through
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Because
2: they're living creatures, it's not Mm -hmm. 100% accuracy every time that we could predict what they're going to do. I I think the more, like, I've done this job, because I've been at this job about four years, and I know when I first started, like, I was still learning a whole lot, and I think as I've done this job more, there's more stuff, like, subtle signs that I can see, like... That dogs do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't ever 100% guarantee. A dog can be completely nice here, go home, and something sets it off. And also, in the same way, it could be set off here by something, but mm-hmm. then go home and never be exposed to that and be fine. So it just we kind of have to go with our instincts.
1: You have to go into it knowing you can never 100% guarantee, right, but we can do the best we can. Right, we're just
2: it. trying to you know do the best we can and try and hope that you know everything works out great because yeah. I also feel like you know if someone adopts a good shelter dog like they're going to want to come back again mm-hmm. and get another shelter dog and I think it helps you know keep the shelter going if they keep getting good dogs and yeah that's a good point yeah, yeah. that's a really good point
1: some dogs that come up for adoption that are certain breeds that mm-hmm. are well known for common traits of that breed are just right. more difficult not like a first time dog owner right. type yeah. dog and then you will get the the face our loyal Facebook followers who know a lot about dogs right. that are like this is a really bad idea to have this dog just up for adoption or this yeah. is dangerous. With yeah, concern it comes from us. A- so <laughs> it
2: certain dogs, we also do like a mandatory behavior consult to where they do have to talk to somebody about the dog before they adopt, and then we can kind of go from there on whether they should be approved or not. So there are certain dogs, you know, they might be certain types of breeds or ones that you know have certain behaviors that we've noticed and we'll actually have a sit down talk with the people that are interested in adopting and go over you know these certain things and try to see if it's a good match or not for the dog
0: mm-hmm. yeah and thank you for explaining that cause i do want to reassure our community that we mm-hmm. don't just like pick dogs that have some behavior issues right. and just be like off you go right happy family with your two small children who've never had a dog before yeah. and don't have time for training because i think that is where a little bit of fear from our you know right. supporters comes from is they think that Maybe don't understand our adoption process and realize, you know, that we do vet as carefully as we can, right? While also still trying to balance finding homes for the animals, right? Um, which, is, <laughs> which is, you know, tricky because we can't vet to the point that the dog ends up being a long term resident, right? You know, but we also want to make sure that we're being responsible in their placement. So yeah. uh, that's a good point on the mandatory consult, yeah, yeah. And
1: I think the whole process because pretty much every dog gets a behavior assessment of some, yes, kind. every
2: single dog, even puppies that yeah. come through, like we do Sweet. stuff with them. Yeah. Puppies are fun, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, there's certain breeds, you know, that are going to have a higher prey drive than other breeds. And that's good to, you know, be aware of and watch. I mean, certain breeds are going to be harder to train than other breeds. I mean, I know there's always individuals in Mm -hmm. each breed that are just, you know. Sometimes there's (laughs) (laughs) weird, that don't fit it. So there's that.
1: There's the whole adoption counseling process, which is... You tell the adoption counselor kind of what you're looking for, yep. your lifestyle. They try to match you with uh-huh. a, the correct dog. And then yes. certain ones even have a behavior consultation yeah, or we, medical consultation. there's yeah, a medical issue yeah. beyond that. So we really do try to. We have, try to have open adoption as much as possible and be open-minded to people adopting animals. But we do our best to make a good match and give right. them all the information yeah. they need. <laughs> yeah I think that's a good, yeah yeah. that's best. a good point thank you for explaining that we do get breeds sometimes that are very much like oh gosh this is a stereotypical breed it's got some issues hey yeah. look a breed specific rescue yeah. that knows exactly how to work with them <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's some i mean we
2: do have a lot of breed specific rescues that might that'll take certain breeds and you know they've got a a whole bunch of people that know about that breed and they can probably help that breed more than mm-hmm. what we might be able to
0: yeah that's a good point um i had a friend recently ask me about dobermans she said yeah. i never see that you have dobermans for adoption i was like well, that's because we work with doberman rescue <laughs> yeah. that is very good at taking yeah. those dogs that can be a little bit more difficult and to we train. don't
2: get dobermans very often right anyways anyway. but i mean yeah we do have a really good doberman rescue that yeah yeah
0: so I was like, well, that's probably why you don't see them. <laughs> they're going to the rescue. Yeah. Who is way? I don't want to say that we we don't have. Well, we do. I mean, that that's true. We don't have the training that they do on their right. specific particular breed, yeah. and they like, don't have special doctors yeah. in yeah. their field. You yeah, they Are like, yeah. doctors of <laughs> their field, and they right. they know, and they can. I think give the time and resources where we couldn't when we're trying to still serve all the other breeds and types yeah. that we have here. So exactly, yeah, that's a cool resource.
2: After our assessments, some dogs we give more time. We do look at their behaviors. Sometimes there are times that we do euthanize. It's not something we take lightly here. Like, we try to look at all of our options, and if there really isn't any other options and people's safety is at risk, we do euthanize here. It is with a group of people that make that decision. So no one person makes that decision at the shelter. And it's like a
1: a group that's like our executive director, our vet, our behavior. I mean, people who can look at it from all perspectives and are big yeah, it's not just Experts, your average genius. You know. It's not me yeah. being
0: there. <laughs> it's people who know yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes that is what we have to do, and it's kind of like looking out for public safety and everything like that.
1: Are there certain parts of the test or certain behaviors that are the most, like, concerning or that are your big red flags?
2: I mean, obviously, if they're showing any aggression towards people, um, especially, you know, if they're a larger dog or a more strong dog, I mean, that's pretty concerning. We also look at dog aggression. So, I mean, if they're just flat-out dog-aggressive, I mean, that's always a concerning behavior, just because even if it's the only dog in the home, I mean, you'll want to take your dogs on walks. Mm-hmm. Having dogs next door, I mean, a lot of these dogs know how to get out of fences. Yeah. that's why they're here. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to have a dog-aggressive dog. It's hard on you, yeah. you know,
1: and it's hard on them, and and, and it's, it's
2: yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if and if they were to ever get out, it's a liability.
1: Yeah.
2: How we do, actually, it's a good thing to talk about, how we do owner-surrenders. So when people bring in an owner-surrender, We ask them a bunch of questions about the dog, like the dog's history, everything like that, and try to get as much information as we can. We always tell people after they surrender the dog that we cannot guarantee that we'll put it up for adoption. So we want, and it's not to make them feel guilty or to make them feel horrible or anything. We just want them to know that we can't ever guarantee anything. Like
1: realistic expectations.
2: Right. And. I mean, we understand sometimes people need to surrender their dogs and they don't have any other options, but we just always try to be honest with them. What could happen? Some of these dogs have just lived in their home and they come here and this is totally new to them and it's a culture shock. So sometimes certain other behaviors can come out because of that. Right. And we don't call people just because some people may not want to know. So we don't call them just out of respect of like they may not want to know and I mean, if they couldn't keep it in the first place, you know, you don't want to put that, like, guilt on them. Yeah. yeah. And there are some people that surrender because their dog is acting aggressive, which, I mean, I think it's a responsible decision mm-hmm. if, like, their safety is at risk. And it's not always responsible to rehome a dog like that just to put other people at risk. So I was going to ask that,
1: too, because yeah. if someone is considering surrendering or needs to rehome mm-hmm. their dog, there are a couple resources out there, like AdoptPet.com yeah. has an Rehoming it yourself yeah. rather than taking it to a shelter, which, if um, it's a safe dog, right. might be a better option. So, yeah. if you kind of sometimes have conversations with people maybe on the phone before they even come in. Yeah, about I mean, this. we
2: try to tell them, you know, what their options are. Um, our intake department's always there to like help them talk through what they need. Or, yeah, I mean, if it is a behavior problem, I mean, they can always seek out training too. Mm-hmm. So, just kind of depends. So, what types of things would you categorize as being? Uh-huh quote, aggressive? Like, what
0: would it be snapping, growling?
2: I've watched a lot of webinars, too, recently. Like, the nice thing about COVID is that there's so many webinars online right now. So (laughs) So I've been watching a lot of webinars. I know one thing that Sue kind of talks about is, like, Looking at all the signs before they reach that aggression. So, if I get bit by a dog, like I could lose my job because I won't have a hand. <laughs> so, I mean, my goal is not to get bit. So, I kind of look at all the signs before aggression and predict, you know, if I keep pushing it, this dog is probably going to bite due to this, this, and this sign. Yes. I mean, and we also look at kennel behavior. If they are acting aggressive in a kennel and we can't get them out of the kennel, Mm -hmm. that's kind of concerning too. And it also stresses the other dogs out. So like a dog that's acting aggressive in its kennel can stress all the other dogs out and make their experience worse. And sometimes it can become contagious to the other dogs Mm -hmm. to where they start acting out as well.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you want to do a quick explanation of who Sue Sternberg is, since we keep referencing? Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sue Sternberg. I mean, she can be kind of controversial sometimes to some people. She has a lot of good information. She she was like a director of a shelter in New York City. She does a lot of behavior assessments on dogs. She's worked in the shelter world for years, like probably 20, 30 years. So she started out in a shelter and. I mean her main goal too is that we put dogs out into the public that are gonna be safe and make good family pets for people. It just it's a win win for everybody if you have those dogs out in public. Yeah. And we all watched a webinar of hers yeah. and she is just like the biggest dog behavior nerd.
1: Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. every little detail. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, she's just her, really passionate about it. Her that.
2: videos are so interesting to watch. Like she just shows like little details and things and she's really good at talking. I've got probably like ten hours worth of webinars from her right now. My office <laughs> she has books out too that are really interesting and she also has a book out too for the public on choosing the right dog for themselves Maybe yeah. i've read that one yeah and
1: she talks about taking like a stuffed dog with right you and a child do- she's like you're gonna look like a weirdo right but- coming in but this will yeah this will help you find like yeah. everything about it learn everything about a dog yeah and how they react and stuff yeah
0: yeah i have a question that while i was sitting here thinking about like the as you're talking about dog tests when you do a dog test here how do you pick which dogs might be compatible to do a dog test with
2: so usually when I pick a dog to do dog tests with I usually pick a dog that is really social with dogs like one that will go up and approach and greet and one that's not going to be set off by another dog starting to act aggressive I do try to change it up a lot because I don't want a certain dog to just be meeting like dogs that are mean to it and kind of like mm-hmm
1: giving it bad, experiences. giving it like yeah.
2: bad experiences. So we try to change up the dogs, but usually we try to use, you know, a dog that's going to be friendly, social.
1: And you know, I mean, you know that from their previous tests, but you
2: also do right. regular play groups, right? Yeah. So we have see. volunteers on Saturday that come in and they'll take dogs out and they'll let some of them play together and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of learned which ones really lovely, right. <laughs> and stuff yeah. like right. I feel like
1: this is the area of dog behavior that it's either I know the least about or I'm just the most anxious about because I'm like, I don't know how anyone tells if two dogs are getting along or if a playgroup's going well or not. And like, it's just tell. something
2: like the longer you do it, the better you get at it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, dogs communicate, like, constantly. Dogs are constantly communicating. Even if they're standing in the corner ignoring you, they're communicating to you. Mm-hmm. Like, they are always giving little signs about things.
1: Okay. Actually, okay, I thought of maybe a myth. Maybe a good myth best. Ooh. A lot of people assume that anytime a dog... Cowers, acts fearful, it's been abused in its past. That's That's a a good myth,
2: myth Buster. Right, yeah, yeah.
1: is that the myth? If a dog is acting scared, they've been abused in their past. And I
2: think that's a good myth. People think that every dog that comes through here has been abused, which I think a very low percentage has actually been physically hurt by a human. Mm I think a lot of times fear is associated with under socialization, so they haven't been exposed to that thing, and it scares them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's so more what we neglect, get. somewhat neglect, or yeah, just like being left in a backyard and not really socialized with many people mm-hmm. or touched a whole lot. Things like that is more what I associate like a fearful dog with. Like they just yeah. haven't been exposed to very much. And actually, the best thing to do with those dogs is to actually just be confident. Don't baby them and be confident for them and Mm -hmm. take them out places and and that helps them more than sitting there and feeling sorry for them.
1: That's also probably uh, something that feels counterintuitive because people want to baby that. Right. And that
2: actually doesn't help them move forward. It's, so. it's
1: kind of encouraging that, like, this right. behavior is right. appropriate.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> Ooh, this is, yeah, reminding me of this case that we had, you know, um, a few months ago, and it was a little, little puppy, mm-hmm. and I was, we were all shocked, well, I don't want to say we were all, you probably weren't shocked. I, we, was. we and Emmy <laughs> were all shocked about seeing this really cute, tiny little puppy that was, like, snarling and snapping in its oh, yeah. kennel, and we were like, oh my gosh, it, How you know, it was so shocking, like, and of yeah. course you think somebody's been really, really mean to this puppy, but we couldn't even get it leashed, you know, yeah. and I remember, um... Um, you and Margaret just saying like just, just go in and leash it I'm like yeah. what if we get bit just you won't just go in and leash yeah. it and it just had not been it didn't understand humans it yeah. didn't understand a leash it had just probably been maybe in a crate Right. probably just had not had any interaction to know that hey I'm putting a leash on you to take you to go outside where you like it right. you know but it just was very confused and yeah. so um I think that was a an very educational experience for yes. us to mm-hmm. get to see that and realize like that you're right it's it's probably not physical abuse yeah. it's just under exposure.
1: And so say we got an animal that we like know for a fact had been abused would mm-hmm. you train it or treat it any differently than just a fearful dog or you just approach every dog it's I think I tactics. approach
2: every dog in a very neutral manner because I think that helps the most dogs. Mm-hmm. I try not to feel sorry for them. And I mean, deep down, like I feel bad for all the dogs in the shelter. Yeah. But like I try not to feel sorry for them because I can help them better if I don't feel sorry for them. Mm-hmm. And I help them move forward from their experiences. Shelter is day one. We're going to move on from here mm-hmm. and move forward from here. I love that (laughs) I love that perspective. Ooh. Very warm
0: fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good one. Shelter's day one. We're all moving forward. Yep.
1: (laughs) Love it. Love it. Past is in the past. That is a good (laughs) (laughs) It's like that. Don't care who you are. Where you are from. 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 Don't care what what you you did. did. As, as long as you love me. God, that's like a shelter dog anthem. <laughs> yeah, right? No, really. <laughs> um, we also always spontaneously sing it. So yeah, quite usually the podcast, it's back at so. France, so
0: I'm really glad it was um, Backstreet Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is reminding me of a funny story, and I don't know if you both remember this, but it was during the... Pandemic during the shutdown, when Emmy and I were like doing a lot more helpful, helping with the behavior stuff, and we yeah. had two dogs yeah. who were awaiting foster, and they were foster parents we were gonna like pick them up, and so mm-hmm. we were like, well, let's see how they do with other dogs because we knew that they, and we were both out there in the play yard with these two dogs, and we both had, and we're like, do they like each other? How's it going? going? What is going right? <laughs> so We
2: were like, okay, one oh. second we're
0: like, oh, they're really getting along. They're like, oh my god, they hate each other. Separate second. them. So you remember how we solved it? We're like, yeah. okay, you have to stay with the dogs. You have to go get Lindsay. Right. <laughs> and we had to sit, and I running. Out. I was like, Lizzie, we need you in the yard right now because we can't tell if they're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> you came out and you're like, they're fine. Yeah. They're like chasing each other and barking, but like, yeah. this is how they play. Yeah. And I remember it was two pit bulls who happened to have a very unique play style. Oh, yeah. Um, where they can play just a little bit rougher than other dogs yeah. just because they're just so strong. And we like, we couldn't <laughs> tell. We're like, oh my god, that they're like <laughs>
2: knocking each other over. <laughs> yeah. And that's how pitties play. Like, pit bulls uh-huh. are very like physical Wrestling. players, they yeah. want to wrestle and They make a lot of noise. Pitbulls play best with each other. (laughs) Because sometimes they'll annoy other dogs. Yeah. And
1: so, like, are herding dogs just like chasers? Yeah, herding
2: dogs, a big group of dogs, like, herding dogs usually don't do well in big play groups because they're just constantly like, (laughs) Chasing and yeah. annoying everybody.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, That's funny. Like yeah. everyone. Basically. And then they,
0: you have like what the really aloof kinds, like the yeah. Pyrenees is that oh, yeah. they sort of stand in the corner and are like, what is... What is yeah, the Pyrenees are kind of
2: like just wanderers, like they just want to wander around, sniff. <laughs> they don't care about the plague. Yeah. Shepherds are policers. They like to chase everybody and bark at everybody and get in everyone's business. <laughs> so like what whole- about little
0: terriers that... Barkers. Barkers. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: yeah.
0: Okay, Office Kitten update, real quick. Yeah, and shout outs, real fast. We need to do Shannon. Hey, Shannon. Yeah, my friend Shannon. Yay, What's she's doing? listening. And I think the other comment we got was from Nack. And I
1: think, and Jim Dozier. Hi, Jim Dozier. Oh, yes, Jim. He was waiting for it to be on Apple Podcasts, which it is now. Which so that's is. very exciting. Yay. Office Kitten update. We swapped. We did swap. <laughs>
0: my two, I, <laughs> I'm, I couldn't handle.
1: <laughs> I'm not it's fine. Him. No, we came to the conclusion that, like, Not every home is perfect for every animal. Not every office is perfect. And we happen to the opposite offices. Were yes. better suited for the kids. They were. That we have. They
0: were. Emmy is a very creative person, so she has a lot of these cool, funky toys and stuff around <laughs> her office. And I am a very like tidy person, so I have like, um, I, like, <laughs> I like the dynamic tidy versus right. creative. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> they, like I like rotate out my towels every day, and you know I keep it just very. Um, and Emmy's cat would cry at the door and then escape into my office. Yeah, Andy like didn't want to be in my office. She must be a tidy cat. Yeah, we
1: joke that she's like her Marie Kondo. Emmy's yeah. office wasn't sparking this joy. Sparking joy, let me out of here. So she and she loves Polly, who also decided to move back into Grace's office because last we heard he was like just checking in to change his (laughs) laundry and leaving. But now he has settled himself back into Grace's office. Andy loves him, Mm
0: -hmm, and then
1: the two kittens, Tacoma and Mooney, who you named. Mm We're like growling and hissing at you while you're typing. Yeah, you were they working.
0: didn't like it. <laughs> They'd growl up my hand while I was typing on my keyboard. And so I was like, I can't function with you. <laughs> but now they're in Emmy's office and they sit in her lap all day. So I, just, I don't know. And Andy's going up for adoption Yay! today. Fingers crossed. She'll get a new home. And yep. I understand that cat care coordinator Kerrigan has two more. She's assigning me for Monday. So we'll have to Lined up day. because
1: Polly needs to have kittens or he barfs everywhere. That's true. He does, when he gets by himself, he
0: barfs. So if he has kittens, it's better We have more kittens. <laughs> Lined up for him. more kittens, so yeah. Oh, our executive director told Carrie Well, if that one goes, you better have another one because right otherwise, down. our office <laughs> smells. So. She's got them, so that's our office kitten right. update. Cool. cool, thanks for coming to our
1: podcast. Thanks
0: for all in this together. Yep, okay. I want to add for listeners out there before we sign off, mm-hmm. tune in next week. Lindsay is our canine. Behavior guru here. And I know well, she does a little with cats. She does some she cat does? assessments. Yeah. She does a little bit with everything, really. yeah but See,
2: cats scare me more than dogs. <laughs> it's <laughs> just <so> funny. That, <laughs> it is
0: funny how everybody has this because you know, what? I know I'm like terrified of chihuahuas, but no. I'll take a mastiff any day. Like <laughs> right. when we have like these giant hundred-pound dogs I'm like
1: cool dips, I'll take it for a walk. Right. I don't like the little ones, but yeah. next, I'm scared of you... guinea pigs now because I got <gasps> bit by one. What? Guinea pigs are the best. <laughs> I know that's what Margaret said. She's like, you probably won't get bit, they're really nice. And I picked it up and it was just like
0: it's okay I didn't break the skin it didn't it didn't um but next week we're gonna be all things cats and we're gonna do the same course of what happens after intake with our cat care coordinator Kerrigan Mm -hmm. and she's gonna talk about all the cat things and the cat processes and what happens to a cat's journey when they're here so that'll be tune in if you are sad we didn't talk about cats this week don't worry, we have cats here too. Mm-hmm.
1: We'll probably interview you again someday.
0: Heck yeah. Yes. About like common behavior <laughs> questions. But or also, you. it's been kind of fun. Like just yes. getting to sit. I know that our yeah. jobs are always in three different directions. Uh-huh. So it's kind of fun to get together and have coffee and just talk to you about your job. Yeah. yeah.
1: Seriously. I love my job. Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. Probably why you've been here for years. I know. It's crazy. Keep sticking around. Keep on keeping on. Well, thank you for being yeah. on the podcast. Podcasts. yep podcast <laughs> yep we appreciate it yay thank all you all right oh yeah i was gonna also say that I'm i oh, wait, i never thank know, you know if your last name's michael or mitchell and i don't know why i think there's not <laughs> a t, looks t in it like michael but, yeah. I, but ch still makes a chest sound welcome so. to
2: my childhood